snow. It says in the scripture that every single one of us, though our sin was a scarlet, he's washed it white as snow.
this glorious day. Um, Lord, may we see you in the room. May we see you outside. May we see you in your beauty. May we get that tangible presence of you today and know that you're here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you that you are alive and with us right now. So we pray over Brendan, Lord. We pray as a family over Brendan. We pray your spirit, your energy, your infilling, your encouragement and your courage within him. Shower him with your, with your peace and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Good morning. Is it morning or afternoon? Morning. Good late morning. Happy Easter. Thank you. Well, that was impactful. All right, just give up. <laughs> How many of you are here Friday? Okay, Rick, keep your hand up if you were blessed to what happened on Friday. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's some, Mark Spencer, one of our associate pastors, did the message on Friday and did this reading that he wrote. I, can't, I don't even know what to call it, but it was fantastic, and it made me want to quit ministry. <laughs> Because you kind of go, all right, that was Friday. I'm preaching on Sunday. This is not fair, right? 
Uh, but he, he did this writing that he put the gospel in his own words in a way of telling a story of, uh, and highlighting, he must have said the word tension 80 times. Um, and talked about all the tensions that we see in the life of Jesus and that he is the king of tension. Because when, when he was walking this earth in physical form, he, he was poking and prodding. And people were like, whoa, they wanted to go over here, they wanted to go over here, and he lives right in here and invites us into that. So it was a beautiful, beautiful message. Uh, one of the things on Easter that happens, especially in, in our culture today, is that as a church, we rev up for it. Do we not? Okay. I mean, it's the Super Bowl of church Sundays. I mean, it is. And you look on Facebook, and every church you can think of, and half of them have the same name, you know, um, they're putting out videos of what they're doing, and it's all cool, and the hype is going. You're getting all excited about Easter. And then you got those videos, that pastors, that are really hooking you in by making fun of all the ways we prep for Easter. Have anyone seen those? You know, they started making fun, talking about, well, we got to have the smokes and mirrors, and we got to forget about the ministry teams because we don't have time for ministry. We got to get to the next service and the next service, and then somehow help people become Christians. So you have this whole thing. But what is the phrase of Easter? He is risen. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. There's a tension there. There is a tension there that we're going to pick at today. Because he is risen is said all the time. And it is true. He is risen. But here's what we see, especially in our, our culture today, is that we see the what was in conflict with what we think it should be. And these two people, types of people, when they come into church, have very different expectations, especially about high-profile services. So you've got the one camp, I like the tradition, I like the religious stuff, I like say, it's not Easter if we don't say he is risen. And then you have this group going, well, it's all about relationship, we don't need to say he is risen, that is old stuff, well, I don't want to hear any hymns, let's hear some new stuff, what's God doing now? And then they discount or dismiss some of the good stuff that happens over here. And so, and then there are people in the middle, but you can see these two uh, things happening, these two people groups kind of conflicting. Who's seen that? And it's not just about this phrase. <laughs> I mean, the hymn thing is a really big deal. Oh, if I hear another hymn, I am, oh my goodness. And then others are like, we don't hear any hymns. It's not church. We don't hear any hymns. Whoa. Here's, here's the problem. We, we lose focus on what it's all about. He is risen is one of the most powerful things that we can say. And not because it's expected or because it's true, but it is true. It is absolutely true. He is risen is a fundamental truth of the universe. And we use he is risen to convey that he has conquered death and he's alive. Yay, yay, yay. Do we believe that? When I say believe that, I don't mean with the noggin. I mean right here. 
Is he alive in your heart right now? Does he have lordship over your heart and your life right now? Because I'll tell you what, going through the motions and saying the right things because you believe intellectually is not enough. He wants to encounter you, engage you. He wants you to encounter and engage him. The whole point of the cross was to get us with him for eternity. But for some reason, for some of us, that's not good enough. There's got to be more stuff involved. It can't be just about being with him. Yes, it can, and it is. It absolutely is. We're going to look at John 11 today, just a few verses. But in John 11, and we're going to go through verse 25 to 26, John 11, we see this. We see Jesus coming back from some ministry, and he finds out that Lazarus has died, a friend of his. And Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, are so grief stricken and Jesus encounters them and says something that shapes and forms and breathes life into that phrase that we say he is risen and he says this to them he goes I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this this is what he says not me do you believe this let me read that again And many of us have heard this. Some of us have not. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Is what he says. Let's start with where we're at. We're in America. We're in an American church. And an American culture. That's where we are right now. And what it's so easy for us to do, so easy, is to just simply exist. I exist in the name of Jesus. I go through my day. I go to church. I may be even in a Bible study or even lead one. I might even be on the worship team. But for some reason, I just live in existence. But here we say, when we come to Jesus, he says, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will what? Live. What does that mean to live? I'll tell you what, it's not just existing. Too many of us as Christians will say, he is risen and simply fall into existence rather than life. And life is to be known because life according to Christ is always relationally centric. It is all about relationship, which means there's a discovery. Relationship is discovery. It's really what it is. When you're in relationship with someone, what happens when you build relationship? Do you discover things about them? Yes or no? Do you discover things about yourself? Yes. It's a journey of being known And as Christians, we can be so offendable that we just, and I'm going to go through the motions and I'm going to exist as a Christian, but not live. And I don't mean saying the right thing or doing that. I'm talking about being at the feet of Jesus. For some reason, that's not enough for us. For some reason, we got to take this beautiful, simplistic picture of walking with Jesus, sitting with Jesus, 
and in discovering the greatness and the vastness of who he is, and we go, that's, that's too easy. So why don't we do this? How about you got to dress the right way, say the right things, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. Whew. Now it feels hard enough. Okay. Oh, okay. Does it feel impossible? Okay, good. It should. Because if, it, if it's not hard, it's not, it's not worth it. Right? We, that's how we measure success or that you've arrived. If you work hard, if you put in the time, if you get the right education, if you get right this, that will lead you to success or something to that effect. But Jesus takes that and goes, Pfft. he says, look, be with me and then you'll do the right thing, say the right things, whatever, according to my goodwill and purpose, not behaving your way into my presence, but my presence will help you behave. You will live in me, with me, through me. You are not meant to simply exist. You're meant to live. So when we say he is risen, it is an invitation for us to step into that life because he is alive and well. He is not threatened by what is going on in the world today. He is not going to come off his throne. He's not going to lose control. And here's one of the craziest things that I've read over the last week. ISIS has come out and said, we are going to eradicate, that word, eradicate Christianity and destroy the cross. There is no destroying the cross. It is the love of God. It is finished. It is the life. It is what we proclaim when we say he is risen. He's defeated that. There is nothing anyone can do. Anyone to eradicate or destroy the cross. Not a single thing. With every, every death of a Christian, it breathes more life into the kingdom of God because these people who are trying to get rid of God, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life, cannot do it. And they give God even more credence and authority because they go, he's a threat. We got to take him out. You can't. You absolutely can't because he's alive. He's moving and breathing in his people. And sometimes we struggle to feel him, experience him, hear him, but he's there. And we got to keep moving towards him. See, there's so much stuff. Persecution is everywhere. Okay? We, it's, it's very clear what it's like beyond our borders. Christians are dying physically. Within our borders, it's harder to see because we persecute ourselves and it becomes an inward death. And we go, well, you're not this way and you're not that way. You don't have access to this church family or you're not this and you're not that or you haven't done this and you haven't done that or you don't believe the way I believe in this and that and this. And How about we let Jesus be the judge and how about we allow him to lead us and him to guide us and him to show us and the only way that you can do that is if you allow him to be alive in your life. You cannot simply exist. And that's not saying Jesus doesn't have boundaries. Of course he does. He has boundaries because we're meant to live in life, not death. And there are certain things that we do that point us to the death direction rather than the life direction. But it is to say this. He says, all of you come to me. All of you. One of the most frustrating things for me as a person and as a pastor is someone won't engage me because they say I'm too busy. And they make the decision for me. 
we got to stop making the decision for Jesus about whether he thinks we're worth it. I don't care what you've done. Look at Paul. He was the worst of them all, and I'm still, I am still trying to cope with that because he was terrible. I mean terrible. Because he's a hero of the faith, it almost taints how we see really what he was like before Jesus. It was awful. And God restored him. Not only restored him, but breathed life in him in ways we couldn't possibly imagine. It's unbelievable. And he wanted to discover more and more and more of Jesus. And he wanted us to discover more and more and more of who he is. We get to go on the greatest adventure of our lives for eternity. How many like adventures? Okay, more than last service. There's like two people. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not doing that. That's risky. <laughs> and you're on this adventure. What, what, is, what happens on adventures? Chaos, right? Sometimes. Are there challenges? Yes. Is there fun? And what? Do you discover things? Does that leave you in awe? Yes. Relationship with Jesus is hard. It's challenging, but it's a discovery journey of adventure that reveals his glory in ways we cannot possibly comprehend. How many of you have had God kind of whack you in the head and reveal something to you that wasn't on your radar? Raise your hand. All right. And how did you feel after that? Awesome. Woo. I'm done. What's going on? Hey, that is an eternal reality. That every moment's like, boom, look at this. Boom, look at this. Boom, look at this. He even does it with the cross because with the cross, what we do, especially in this culture, is we look at that and we worship the what instead of the why. Meaning we were like, boom, the cross, what he did is amazing. And it is, and only God can outdo himself. Because you, we see, oh, through our own eyes, our own experience, what God did was unbelievable. He died for us, for our sins, this and that. Great. That's what he did. Why did he do it? So he could be right here. That's why he did it. And the why is the greatest adventure we'll ever be on. And for some reason, though, that's not good enough. I mean, even in my life, I just went to, I spent like four days in Florida, in central Florida, with my best friend, Sean, and he's got four kids. I have two kids and love our wives, but sometimes we want to just hang out without all of them there, and I haven't done that since college, and that was like 15 years ago, and so his family was going up north to see his sister-in-law, and I thought, man, I'll come out there for a few days, and we'll hang out and have a good time, and I couldn't tell you as a parent Waking up to silence was weird. <laughs> it's so rare, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it. But anyway, we're two suburban dads. And we're going, what are we going to do? And really, my body and my, and my, mind, my heart are like, well, I want to sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> but you've got this opportunity. And we're going... Let's tap into the uh, college years and go on an adventure. Because I'm bored. So we did. And we, went, we drove into, deeper into central Florida to this really shady place we found online where you can 
rent a canoe, and you can travel 10 miles down a jungle river, and it'll be great. So that's what I'm thinking. We get there, and, there's, and I'm petrified of alligators and snakes. I hate them. Okay? I hate them. And partially because I've studied them, and I know what they're capable of. And I just go, oh, man, I don't like that. And we walk into the shadiest-looking cabin you've ever seen in your life, stuck in the jungle with these rinky-dinky canoes. But there's no turning back now. I mean, we drove a long way to get there. And I look, and there's alligator heads everywhere. (laughs) But it's part of the adventure. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, no. This is, I'm petrified. Absolutely petrified, but I'm like, come on, man up. <laughs> so the guy's like, just follow this map, and it's a cartoon map. You know, you're going, <laughs> follow this map. We're going to pick you up at 4 o'clock down here. Oh, by the way, it's alligator mating season, and this is, uh, you know, this has the greatest uh, alligator population in central Florida. <laughs> but in the spirit of adventure, let's do it. So we start going, and Central Florida is the lightning capital of the country. Yeah. So we start going, and we, 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 we paddle by this, this cute couple from Calgary, and I felt at home because they're going, hey, eh, how are you doing there, eh? And I'm like, oh, kiss. this reminds me of home. And you're like, we just saw a 13-footer alligator there, eh? It was crazy, eh? And now I'm, I, I'm going, oh, my goodness. And I'm petrified. My head's on a swivel. And I'm, all I can picture is being back home with my family going, what am I doing? And then mile six, we get caught in a rainstorm that turns into a lightning storm and a metal canoe with metal paddles, which I didn't understand. I'm like, why is this paddle metal? And the lightning is touching down. And it was everything we could do to get to this bridge on this cartoon map that was actually further than it said it was because on a cartoon map, look, here's the starter and here's the, here's the end. You're like, oh, that's pretty quick. No. <laughs> we get there. We wait 30 minutes under the bridge. We realize we're only 500 yards from our pickup point, so we're there for 40 minutes. We could have just gone you know, straight to the thing. We get there. Then you got this country guy going, who's picking us up. He goes, oh, man, guys, that was crazy. You got sitting about there. We just had someone that almost died. He got his arm ripped off by some alligator. And no, 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 no. And you start to rethink your decision-making paradigm. I want adventure. If Jesus isn't enough adventure, we're in trouble. And I realized... Why am I bored? You know why? Because I'm not engaging Jesus the way I know I can and should be. He's right there. He's alive. So when we say he is risen, we get to step into life. It's not enough to go through the motions and call it Christianity. Christianity is about relationship with Jesus. It's about a relational encounter that transforms us daily and changes our lives. It's not enough just to give an invitation to accept Christ. We have to walk with one another as, as we allow that decision to breathe life. So when we say he is risen, boom, that is an adventure that is going to turn us upside down. And sometimes when we breathe him in and out, it hurts because of our circumstances and things going on and the questions that we have and the things that we want. But here's the deal. We even have the song itself, I surrender all. And if we have surrendered all, then that means you don't get to choose what you want about him and what you don't want. 
we have to trust. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That means, do you trust this? Do you trust me with your stuff? Do you trust me with your hard questions? Because they will be answered as you draw near. I'm not going to send a telegram with the answer of information. I'm going to show you through my presence in your life. He is risen. Amen. Do you believe this? And I want to close with this because I think this is important to understand. When we come to Jesus, we realize our brokenness. Yes? And oftentimes as we walk with Jesus, we still live in our brokenness because we feel that's what a good Christian does. And we call it humility. That's not life. We recognize that we're broken and Jesus brings wholeness. And we're to live out of that wholeness because he's alive. He doesn't want us to live in brokenness. He wants us to recognize our brokenness and take it to him. And then we can live in wholeness. And some of us have been sitting in a pew for years and years and years in brokenness, calling that walking with Jesus. But what parent wants to see their kid living in brokenness all the time? We want to see our children living in wholeness, good decisions, experiencing life. So as the church, when we say he is risen, the implications are astronomical. And it's simply an invitation to be where he is. And to live from that place. And believe me, that's enough. That is hard enough. We don't need to get in the way and get our hands all over it. Believe me. Let's just let God be God. Amen? Amen. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. And we thank you out of your goodness we can say you are alive and well. There is nothing, nothing in heaven and earth that can destroy who you are. That can destroy the cross. To think anyone can is a fool's errand. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would all encounter you in a fresh way this morning. That we would let go of hate or bitterness or hurt and pain and allow a new opportunity for reconciliation in life to happen. It's so easy to sit in a pew and do what you think you're supposed to do. It is so much harder to engage you even when it feels like it hurts and everything around us seems to be crumbling. We thank you that when we say you have risen, that means we don't have to be a victim anymore. We don't have to look at ourselves that way. We can step into life. And I pray that we would allow you, you, to say why we're worth it instead of us projecting our worth upon you. I ask you to remove anything that's not of you in this place in Jesus' name, any false notions of who you are and who we are, that you would remove those and speak truth and life right now into our hearts in Jesus' name. Pray that no one would leave here without having some kind of encounter, and they may not even notice it until they leave. But we ask you to have your way.
We pray a blessing over the rest of our time here um, this morning that we would worship you in spirit and truth. And as the offering comes by, we would give because we want to because it's an act of worship. That's not about what we put in, but the condition of our heart. And I thank you for that. And we want to be where you are. We want to be near. Would you continue to put the right people around us at the right time and place to help encourage us to stay with you, to walk with you? Would you remove the fear in our lives that would keep us from taking a hard look at ourselves and going, Lord, what do you want to say? How do you want to transform me today? So may we worship you in spirit and truth this morning. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
Jesus, we just thank you that you have overcome sin. You've overcome death. Jesus, that you have the final word. You have the final say. says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Cross has the fly. 